0: We were listening to the song, wasn't like eating cookies and dancing around a divine. Three
1: types of chocolate,
0: Triple as an chocolate. as an homage to divine. We were eating cookies. <laughs> you filthy pig! <laughs> right. So after he graduated high school, he went to a beauty school where he learned um, hairstyling, which obviously would benefit him later on in his career. Um, and then he worked at several different salons, and his his parents actually helped him buy his own salon um, in Townsend, hoping he would like learn some responsibility and have his you know, his life together and have a shot at life. And then he quit in 1970.
1: Well, I have a question. I have some questions. Yeah. You may or may not know the answer all knowing Brian, but where were these songs being played? They were being played in like Burgine or something or like nightclubs and... In-
0: yeah, that's exactly where they'd be playing. Like kind of underground nightclub-y, the disco scene, like, um, you know, these, these these different like nightclubs and scenes. It was definitely an, uh, the underground scene of things. It wasn't mainstream. Although, you know, in Deutschland, not in Deutschland, <laughs> in Dutch in Netherlands, he was. The, it was in the clubs. It was the main thing. Oh. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think some of these. What happened was somebody he saw the success of some of his movies and was like, oh, you know, like I can take advantage of a lot. Of, I can do hair, I can act, and I can sing now. Like why not? Um, the nickname Divine. Do you know how he got it? No, please mm. tell me. This is a cool story. So the nickname Divine was given to him by John Waters himself. Oh. Um, and at the time, Waters was reading Our Lady of the Flowers, which is by uh, um, uh, a story by Jean Genet, And it's a controversial book about homosexuals living on the outskirts of Parisian society. Um, and so Waters borrowed the name Divine from a character in the book. And in a 1973 quote that Divine confirmed this and said that he liked the name that John gave him. And so no one ever called him Glenn after that. And he was called Divine ever since. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. <laughs> so he got it from Our Lady of the Flowers. <laughs> do, just we, do we think
1: that he was was just like this fabulous personality and he and John Waters like hooked up and started laughing hysterically like you and I do when we run into each other like at random places Right. It's and they like loved each other and then this whole thing happened this amazing relationship.
0: Well you can imagine John Waters first of all like how crazy and kooky and and just bizarre left he is right? But looking completely normal. But looking completely normal but the two of them yeah here are these two like kind of like just people that didn't fit in people that were kind of not normal quote unquote and then they found each other and suddenly they were normal because it's like you and me. Like sometimes I don't feel normal, and I know that you don't feel normal. But then when I get with you, I feel totally normal.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And and there's like nothing normal about it. "Quote unquote normal."
0: Right. There's nothing normal about being normal with you. So I do. I do think that there was. There was. Um. I think there definitely was that element between them, and I think that's what happened, and that's why you know they were friends and worked together. And I. And John Waters was one of Divine's biggest fans in terms of what he felt he could do and accomplish and bring. to um to the table, um it's you know I don't know it's just it's just one of those things where I think two people who feel like they don't fit in somehow find each other and feel better about what they what they do and they and then they reach success together.
1: Well, I feel like the, the thing that you know they're so outrageous, right? And so I feel as if they really pushed each other. Like, no, you be outrageous. No, you be outrageous. Like, how outrageous can you be? Right. And then it got so outrageous. Like, did the, wait? Everyone wants to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Did he really? eat the turd or was it just like a fake turd?
0: He really ate the turd. Oh wow. my goodness gracious. He really
1: ate the turd. I mean, I'm not even willing to be this. <laughs> like, and listen, you know, that was really queen.
0: It, it was a, right, really queen. It was a, it was a publicity stunt. And like, I, I mean, Every face on the set I mean their face literally said <laughs> Queen. that's what it said it was just like oh my god did you just eat that bitch but it was a publicity stunt and it worked because it absolutely brought them into this like culty underground thing where people that just wanted to see crazy stupid shit midnight movies mid- yeah. midnight movies I'm so glad you. oh my god I'm so glad you brought that up so most most certainly most younger people have no idea what that even means right there was a time right where you couldn't go see culty films Films or crazy films, unless it was at midnight, because that's you know that's when you went, that's when you saw Rocky Horror Picture Show, that's when you went and saw Pink Flamingos, and so um, they, they just didn't happen. And now you know one doesn't it's not like that anymore. No one goes to midnight movies anymore. You watch it on
1: Netflix and chill.
0: Exactly, <laughs> Netflix and chill, right? You know, I think actually might be now might be a really good time because they we're kind of on the subject. So this is an interview that um, Joan Waters, John Waters, and Divine did with um, John Snyder who had a talk show at the time, and it comes in with John. Snyder being like you know how could you do that like what can he's the thing is this is a time when homosexuality certainly was not normal or was not accepted and I think John Snyder is trying to be really cool like okay I don't understand this so educate me like why did you do this and so he's talking to John Waters and he's talking to Divine about this particular scene and then it gets it so first you're going to hear John Waters sorry you're going to hear John Snyder ask about what's going on and then you'll hear John Waters response and then you'll hear Divine uh, chime in so Let's give this a listen, because I think it's it, it's a really kind of cool interview and, and what he has to say.
1: I mean, that's the, why would you make a picture that has that kind of a well, scene? The,
2: I mean, that's disgusting, John. Well,
3: It was disgusting, but it was also funny. And we had $10,000 to make
4: a film There was no such thing as underground movies. We had to compete with Shampoo, the big moves. We had to get people's attention. Well, on that, on that budget, you can't <laughs> buy chicken salad. I'll go along with that, so okay? It, it really was a first and a last. In motion pictures that are the sleaziest, scuzziest, well, we scumiest things to, you we yeah. used
3: to, we used Basically, even with Pink Flamingos in the early films, all we're trying to do is get people to laugh, and people have strange sense of humor sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, what's funny to you, John? Well, I thought that that scene was—I like to make, make people laugh at something that you would generally never laugh at in real life. Like, uh, there's a scene in Polyester where trick-or-treaters come to the door, and the woman doesn't have any candy,
4: so they kill her. All right. Well,
3: <laughs> but people see people laugh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs>
2: Old Tom's progressive, but he kind of draws the line when we kill people. You know, well, but scary.
4: see, they wouldn't laugh if it was their mother. But they laugh if it's in a movie. So I'm trying to make you laugh at something that you generally wouldn't laugh at. Mm-hmm. It's a nervous laugh. Do you dress up as a woman in the, in polyester?
3: Yes. Why, why, why do you do this all the time? Don't you like men's clothes? All the time? No, I don't do it all the time. They're my work clothes. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people pick up a work a pail and uh, a cap and go to work. Yeah, work I put on a too. dress and a wig and a pair of heels.
4: Uh, I was always, uh drawn towards uh, Victor Mature and Jane Mansfield when I was younger and just felt closer to Jane, so I leaned up mm-hmm. to that side.
2: Mm-hmm. How close did you want to get to Victor is the question.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I just But just wanted to make people laugh, and we thought it would be a, a funny thing, to, uh, because when you think of a blonde bombshell, you think of Monroe or Mansfield or those very shapely women, you don't think of a 300-pound man.
4: Right?
0: <laughs> Isn't that funny? So I love that. I, I really love that interview, because I just think it's, it's kind of cool, and it's true, right? People will laugh at you. Like, you know, you killed some woman because she doesn't have candy. We left.
1: (laughs) And and let's face it, Marilyn and and Jim may have ended up looking like divine if they had stayed alive. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: very fucking true. You know, but John Waters, like, he purposely intent, like, his intent was on filming the trashiest movie in cinema history. I mean, that was what he set out to do because it was different and it made people laugh. And if you watch any of these films, and I I don't know how many of his films you've seen.
1: Um, I'm going to win the worst fag hag in SF award by saying, I'm I've never completely watched a John Waters film from being.
0: Oh my god. Oh, okay. Well, we just have, we it's a process. We have Stoning some coming on. We have some work to do. <laughs> yeah, we're going to throw incense at you. I
1: feel like my, my gay friends, like, oh, you say, like, here's my favorite scene, and they show you something. And like, all I know is that I have my cha cha heels, and that's all that really matters in the end. <laughs> okay,
0: Jeannie Tracy. <laughs> Get your cha-cha. Um, so he formed, um, John, John Waters formed a production company called Dreamland Productions, and his regular cast, which was like Mink Stole, um, Divine uh, and a bunch of those guys they were known as Dreamlanders because they were the regular cast and many of um, the cast and crew you know consisted of his regular friends from um, from Baltimore Um, and uh, let's see I said it was Divine David Nockley, Mink Stoll, Mae Vivian Pierce, a a bunch of people Um, but there was a song that he he sang called Love Reaction which was his third single off of his album called The Story So Far by Divine and it was recorded um, twice upon the Suggestion of Divine's Dutch record company, which is, I guess, why he's big in Dutch. That doesn't make sense, but the <laughs> Netherlands. Um, and the sec. Here's an interesting story about this song. The second version, modeled after New Order's successful song "Blue Monday." Do you remember? Do you know New Order? Yes. Remember New- So "Blue Monday," and so a lawsuit was actually threatened against the writer of this song for audio plagiarism, but it actually never really materialized. So um, I don't know. We'll see if this see how New Ordery this sounds. Um, all right. Does it sound see. as
1: Donna Summer? as the other one. Does it what? <laughs> sound as Donna Summary as the I feel love knockoff? Does it, <laughs> <make> it? <laughs> well, let's find out. <laughs> it might. Oh, this oh, sounds no. exactly like, like it. Exactly like it. <laughs> oh my
0: god, it does sound like it.
1: Uh, 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 uh. Oh, where's this phone going? I have no idea.
0: Oh. Okay, wait. This okay we're gonna listen to this hold on. me like you do when you, when you. oh oh we lost it there okay now it's creative okay I mean it's a remix
1: it's a remix, <laughs> it's a remix.
0: It, it definitely sounds like that song Blue Monday right? Yeah.
1: I mean if they see them today they'd
0: win. I want to hear the vocal hold on listen to the vocal just like laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> like certain parts of we were like yeah. looking at you like, oh my god. Like it's well you can see why he got sued. Well one apparently he doesn't sing <laughs> on it. And That's it was it wasn't it wasn't Divine that got sued it. It was the writer. But I'm dying to hear the vocal. Where is it? I'm gonna move this ahead. Let's just see. Uh, Egyptian realness right now. Uh, uh,
4: uh, uh, uh.
0: Yeah, okay, so I can see why he... (laughs) file
3: <laughs> you say it was like sued, the, but it didn't go through
0: it was oh. the remix it didn't it, well it didn't materialize oh, okay. yeah right I'm it, surprised it didn't because <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't either I don't you know who knows it cost money to sue yeah. right so maybe there was that and as
1: maybe she maybe Divine had no money so it was like why even why right, and bought John Water
0: or the writer who, it wasn't and it wasn't he didn't remember he didn't sue Divine he sued the writer yeah um so yeah so the first Everybody. film that Divine did dressed as a woman was called Roman Candles and it was filmed in 1966 so this is way before the music in which he dressed as a smoking nun now you remember You can think about this In 1966 Like a smoking nun Like that's just not That just was not okay And then the next movie Where he appeared in drag Was called Eat Your Makeup Okay this is fabulous It was filmed in 1968 Before I was born Slow down Gina In the film He portrayed A fictionalized character Version of Jacqueline Kennedy Who kidnaps Fashion models And forces them To eat their own makeup <laughs> I wanna watch this one Okay That sounds amazing yeah. like, can you imagine Just like, kidnapping Like Iman And like shoving makeup down her throat. <laughs> I mean, don't we want to shove anything down their throat? Well, I mean, but I think the makeup is like a great I mean, ed, even food yeah. like a tic tac. Like
1: I'm gonna e- shove anything I can get.
0: Anything. That's why he's like, well, should they have makeup on them. Let's just feed them that. Maybe they'll gain some pounds. At the time, though, the films were obviously not <laughs> widely received, but remained um, underground with like you know the hippie subculture. Like these were these underground movies that were you know starting to come. And and Divine made a point of keeping his involvement with these you know these low budget underground films he kept it from his conservative parents who wanted him, obviously bought him the hairdressing salon and so hairdresser
1: like, by day like wacky film star by night well I think it was more like um, no longer hairdresser
0: by day and what in the hell is this movie where you're shoving <laughs> makeup down thing, people's throats Like, obviously
1: is. doing his own hair
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> right so Divine continued to appear in um, in drag in more of Waters films such as the Diane Linkletter story which was in 1969 which was loosely based on the true story of Art Linkletter's daughter a political a political throne. Yeah, right? <laughs> who committed suicide the the previous year. So this was like, obviously right on the edge of like a suicide. And then Divine obviously started getting more notoriety after appearing in Mondo Trasho, which you probably don't know, and multiple main acts. In Mondo Trash Divine played an unnamed blonde woman who runs over a hitchhiker.
1: Oh my God. That was you. It was, I mean, maybe. Maybe. <laughs>
0: the um, and then and then multiple maniacs was the first John Motor films to receive like a widespread attention due to its controversial nature because Divine played this character called Lady Divine who runs an exhibit known as the Calvacade of Perversion and in one seed Lady Divine pleasures herself in the church using a rosary I mean who hasn't done
1: that though? it's like Benoit balls, like, giant, like a giant Benoit it's, Ball rosary is it's that like what they're a, called Benoit Balls Benoit Balls are the round right you think of anal beads Oh yeah right, some, Same thing right I mean they can You can use them We're gonna that. have to see
0: A film club We're gonna have to see We have thing. to see a film club And in another scene She kills her boyfriend And eats her heart Which you've done before So you know right Just
1: eat the boyfriends You
0: just <laughs> Just eat the boyfriends um, But the the movie That inevitably Got divine You know To stardom Was Pink Flamingos And this is the one Where you know John Waters uh, meant he, he you know It was definitely Meant to be an exercise In poor taste Which is what he said Because it was We all know the stories Of Flink Pink Flamingo But it's about woman obviously played by divine by the name of babs johnson who um who owns now the title of the filthiest person alive that's her title and mink stole and david latry play a couple who are bent on challenging her to take that title of filthiest person alive so it's literally a movie about two a couple and her challenging each other to be the filthiest people alive which what, is super cool.
3: What do they get if they win? Like, I don't. I don't like. Survive. I just think they just
0: want the title. They don't. It's not even about they win. They just want to be known as you know. We are the filthiest person alive, or the filthiest people alive. Um, and then after that, um, uh, after Pink Flamingos, Divine, and Mink Stole. You know Mink Stole. Have you seen Mink Stole in the current Hairspray? Uh, have you seen Hairspray like the current one? Second. I'm really gonna have to talk to you after this show.
1: <laughs> Fag hag revoked. <laughs> Mink Stole
0: was also in Cry Baby. No, okay. Oh wow. Okay, so so they the two of them did a lot of like small budget plays at the Palace Theater in San Francisco, which is kind of cool. And they were both a part of the Cockettes. Do you remember the do you know what the Cockettes are? Um, this is
1: a Sa- no, I don't know, but this is a San Francisco story. Like the Cockettes were a San Francisco kind of oh. gay performance group. Yes? Ex-
0: exactly. They were a drag troupe and the first time I talked about the Cockettes on the show was the very very first episode we ever did with about Sylvester because yep. Sylvester was in the Cockettes too oh interesting. so both Sylvester and divine were in the San Francisco gay drag troupe um, called the coquettes, which I just thought was really kind of cool like sometimes you don't real realize how these worlds overlap
1: well I have questions so yeah. so divine was living in SF and doing some like performance stuff with these people or like so she had like a little stent or she or he what are we what do we call I don't even know this so um,
0: I think divine is a she okay. I think we say she yeah she sure, was with Glenn yeah he's doing who this. we don't talk about anymore no. I mean right
1: like Glenn Nobody, all divine. Yeah, so I
0: mean, he must have lived here because if he's in a troupe here, I, it wasn't, you know, it sounds like he lived here for some period of time, for sure.
1: Because I'm fascinated by this whole concept of like, they were obviously hanging out together in places, like coming up with the shtick, coming up with the stuff, like being humorous themselves. And where was that happening? Like, where is our in Baltimore?
0: Well, you mean John Waters? Yeah, John yeah. Waters. And yeah, I think uh, definitely in Baltimore was because that's where they met. That's where they're friends for a long time. I think this was probably a departure from Baltimore for a period of time. But I think they were really, I think they were friends. You know, this is, so this was, I'd say, so this was after Pink Flamingos. So he obviously took a break or she obviously took a break after Pink Flamingos and, you know, came here and did some drag troop stuff. So they remained friends and continued on. But, you know, the stuff with John was, you know, all happened back in Baltimore. Okay. So so let's play. let's play a little game. I play a little game. So this is a, I I always call it truth or dare, but it's not truth or dare, which sounds more fun. It's true (laughs) or false. So um, true or false. Um, Let's see. Boy George has a huge tattoo of divine on his arm. True. Come on, say true. That is true. He has a huge tattoo of Divine on his arm, which I think if you've, we just talked about Borg George actually last week, and he has all these tattoos of these different artists that he loves. Susie and the Banshees. Um, I know there's another one. Um, and an interesting fact about, um, uh, <clears throat> um, what's the movie that was, Hairspray so originally Divine was supposed to play not only Edna but he was also supposed to play Tracy so Edna's the mother Tracy's the daughter so he was supposed to actually play both roles but um, New Line Cinema are, are, would not let him do that they were like um, you know look you're 40 years old you can't play your own daughter <laughs> <laughs> we're like we don't care how much makeup you use so this next song for me this is a song that I remember coming out this is a song when I was going out to clubs that I remember of Divine before any of the I didn't didn't really remember any of those other songs but this one absolutely I remember it was his fifth single um, from his album The Story So Far and um it was written by a guy named Jeff Dean, who was formerly the lead singer and main songwriter of both the Layton Buzzards and Modern Romance. I don't know if you remember Modern Romance, but he was um, the lead singer and main songwriter for them. So, um, J- Jeff Dean later went on to write the cross-dressing themed movie, Kinky Boots. Oh. Interesting. And so, he wrote this song. This is the person who later wrote Kinky Boots. Um, he wrote the song. And this particular song was also covered later on by the Vaselines. I mean, I remember the name I don't remember them that well but this is in 1987 and it appeared on the EP called uh, their EP called Son of a Gun so I remember going into clubs because this was just like the gay fucking song and um, I'm not sure if you remember it but I play the video on Fridays at the edge of the song and it's fucking fierce listen up it's called you think you're a man I said that to a guy you think, you think you're
1: a man you're just a toy
0: <laughs> but you're only a toy only a boy not enough to satisfy boy me toy. a boy toy <laughs> right yeah, but you're not man enough to satisfy me oh my god that video is so cool she comes out in this like silver like satin dress just like a pinwa, just Pinot like set? stuffed into it comes out <laughs> And there's like all these good, like go to like fierce bodied go go dancers, like dancing around her. And it's just, it's actually really, it's really, really a cool, it's a cool video just because it's way back when. And you know, when you look at the, this time, I mean, this is 1984. So this, you know, she kind of predates RuPaul. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. But also, we were just commenting while this song was playing how this is such a uh, uh, classic sound for electronic dance music. Yeah, sure. The, the it's, it, it's obviously right in line with what was happening at the time with new order and like, exactly. You know, transition away from disco. Absolutely. Transition from disco into this stuff. And I do, I mean, we must admit that they all sound a little familiar. They like all similar sound. To songs yes, they do. Heard, yes heard they do. Yes, they do. But, um, but again, like being on this kind of, at the time, very fringe, Culture, mm-hmm. being a drag queen or a character actor, as he preferred to call himself, because right. of the time and what have you. Right. Uh, it's a pretty fascinating um, impact on dance music, and like you were saying that you would go to the club and this was playing, and you guys knew the lyrics. That's that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and you know, there probably wouldn't be. I mean, for all intents and purposes, and no disrespect to RuPaul, but there probably wouldn't be a RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, this was the kind of thing could be Divine's Drag Race if she well, was still alive.
3: I was thinking earlier you said that he hung out with John Waters and his crew, and like what were they called, the Dream. Or the, it, uh, yeah, uh, Dreamliners or yeah, well, could that be like a proto Club Kids, like from New York that inspired it? At, outlandish
0: uh, know, acts, absolutely. I mean, I think that's what that meant. Like we're part of this crew of of people that are just out there, exactly. You know, for sure. Um, you know, he uh, in 1974 he returned to Baltimore. Obviously, from I'm, I'm assuming now that we understand it's like from San Francisco, and he continued filming in drag and appearing in. He he uh, did a film called Female Trouble, which you probably heard of, which was another big one, and that was then the you. Cha Hills was that the Cha Cha Hills? Was Female Trouble the Cha Cha Hills? Was it? Um, which wait, wait, what was which was the Cha Cha Hills? I oh. oh, might have to go Google because I can't remember. Because then he did Polyester, which is another really big one, and then uh, Lust in the Dustland, Trouble in Mind, and <laughs> the names of these films are by the way fascinating <laughs> right? Well, Trouble in Mind, he got to play the role of a man, which was like oh my god, first time ever, right? So after filming Female Trouble, he made his way back to theater work. So he took a role in a comedy in theater called Women Behind Bars, where he played the pis- the prison matron called Pauline. (laughs) Can you imagine him just being this, like, prison matron, Pauline?
1: Well, uh, an over- like, a theme in all of, the sh- all of the little snippets I've seen, because mm-hmm. I haven't seen a full movie, but the mm-hmm. snippets I've seen, there's lots of, like, physical abuse and physical acting and, like, hitting and spanking and, like, the pinois, you know, crazy. Oh, totally. And, like, so, I can only imagine that he must have just flourished. She must have flourished in the, <laughs> <laughs> the prison guard. <laughs> she
0: was so good at that. Well, it's funny because that, that particular play, Women Behind Birds, gained, like, a lot of success in New York City's like truck and warehouse theater industry and was taken to London's Whitehall Theater. I mean, it was that oh, big yeah. that they, you know, they went to London. I mean, I'm sure it was some back alley in London, but whatever. <laughs> they went they went to London. But during the disco era, you know, Dividend's agent um, said, you know, that you should take advantage of the love of your nightclubs and start performing at them. And he did his first live show in 1979 at a gay club in Florida um, and was hit. And his career doing live performances took off. He was a total hit. And, and that's when he was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, live stuff. Um, he described his stage performances as just good, dirty, fun. And I can only imagine like he's like a cross, he's like a rougher, grosser version of like Bianca Del Rio. You know, just like (laughs) really just he would banter with his audience members and swearing at them and inviting them to come up on the stage to fondle them. Like just, you know, his followers just ate it up. And in his own words, he would say, If you find it offensive, honey, don't join in. And I will I'll tell you this, I remember Bianca Del Rio is a a good friend of mine, she's been for years and she did a show here and I remember after, you know, she's very controversial at times and she did this show and after the show somebody came up and was like basically yelling at her for, you know, stuff she had said during the show and she says, but you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> you're still fucking here. Right. Like, sure. if I've fucking offended you, get the fuck out. Like, don't stick around and listen to the whole fucking thing. And she had a point and I think that's kind of like what he was saying. If you don't like it, you can, you know, you're welcome to fucking leave. You know, no one's making you, no one's making you stay. Um, there's a song That I kind of thought was so (laughs) so cool because you know divine was not pretty (laughs) Right Right And so there's The most beautiful woman alive Almost Well There's a music video For this next song Which is called I'm so beautiful (laughs) And Divine is seen Dancing and singing In a hall of mirrors Right And the video includes Several black and white scenes Of Snow White And the Seven Dwarves As lawn ornaments While it's raining Like kind of an interesting Like you know I'm beautiful And it's kind of like That whole thing
1: Everyone is googling that Right now to see it
0: Everybody's googling right now (laughs) Um, But I love the lyrics When it comes in, it's just like I'm so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) It's like (laughs) exactly what you would think someone who's not beautiful. (laughs) Ashamed, spoken (laughs) lie. So we let's just give this a listen, and let's just wait till the lyric comes in. Here it comes. No. I mean, this be our That's my new song to get ready to now. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: like I'm so beautiful.
1: We're all so beautiful, can't you see?
0: Could you imagine if you just played that every time you were getting ready? Show like, to the club.
1: I'm yep. so
0: beautiful.
1: <laughs> can't you see? <laughs> <laughs> we're all beautiful.
0: God, It sounds so beautiful. Mm. I think it's bad that I wake up every morning to that song "Perfect Day" from Legally Blonde. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> up a little after. I was like seriously, that's how I wake up every day.
1: How much fun would Divine have today spoofing all of that stuff? That would have been brilliant.
0: Oh my God! I mean, I'm pretty sure. I mean, you have to think about um, you know if he if he had not died at, at a young age because he was only in his early 40s when he died. So he was he died in 1988. Um, it, you know how famous he would probably be today, especially with. That everything that's happened over the years you know you wonder like what that career path would be and how much fun it would have been to have him still around doing just crazy things and would he would he be acting more as a man would he still be like I think there's so like a lot of people believe he would have been like the RuPaul like you know what I mean like just with the crazy underground following that he had for years I mean who knows I'm curious
3: how he would have been on married with children like would he have been like his divine character or
0: was he gonna play a male role he was supposed to play an uncle he was supposed to play like uncle something or other I I totally <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Uncle Esther. <laughs> oh, I know. He was supposed to play. It Uncle was a Bunch. guest appearance. The next day, was supposed to play as Uncle Otto. And I don't know what Uncle Otto like. You know, he looks like an Uncle Otto out of drag, but I don't know what like what exactly what the role was. But it was not as divine. It was as a man.
1: Right. Well, that's another interesting facet. I think that this whole I'm a character actor. I'm not a drag queen. Like, was it because it wasn't really comfortable to be a drag queen at that time? Yeah. You know, and and all drag queens are character actors. We know this. You sure. Know, they're all performers and some of them funnier than others. Right, Um, right. Obviously. But I do think that was that was probably part of it, right? It's like, well, no, I'm a character actor, mom and dad, I'm not a it's, drag queen. It's
0: almost like know. saying, I'm bisexual. Right. You know, for like, when so many artists were like, oh, I'm bisexual, and then later on they came out gay. But at the time, they had to say that because that was more acceptable right. than saying that they were gay, you know?
1: Well, I will say this, like my first, well, I grew up in New Orleans, which was very kind of divine heavy because there's like lots of, you know, alternative uh, lifestyles. That's where Bianca Del Rio's from. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, but I'll never forget, like when I first went, to New York like early club days like tunnel with like Junior Vasquez mm-hmm. and Danny and I met you know predominantly gay men were my friends like all these gay males and they were constantly like quoting divine behaving like divine acting out divine things and this is like mid early 90s mm-hmm. so mm-hmm you know, he's been, he's been, he's passed on for a while now, Mm -hmm. but they're still like really into this whole thing. They're watching the shows all the time. Now that even today, like again, like now that you, you know, they'd have videos, but you you have to watch parts of the snippet thing back then. It was VHS recordings. Mm -hmm. Now though I have friends who are like, you've never seen that girl. Like I'm in a hotel room the other night with like DJ Dan and whatever. You have to watch it. And then we watched the (laughs) cha-cha shoes video again. Uh, So, uh you know, it really is like such a, a impact on gay and just popular culture, like not just gay culture but like sure. popular culture today like really quite uh, you know, legendary.
0: It is and, you know, and that's why we talk about it because um, you know, these these are the people that have helped form, I mean the fact that you're, this many years later, you're sitting in a room and they're going, oh you haven't heard that or you got to watch this clip and how many years has that been and yet somehow we still talk about it because it is a, a foundational part of the the LGBT, you know, Q, yes. c- c- you know, culture. And
1: I, and I think the song speaks volumes, right? Like I am beautiful. We are all beautiful. Can't you see? I mean, what mm-hmm. we all know what, what she, he is saying in that moment. Like we're all beautiful. Forget about your judgments and what have you. Right. And I think that was a, a this thing, it was a judgment. It was like, flaunting judgment Mm -hmm. like judge me go ahead and judge me right because here I am and I think that's where we all like want to live right now like we're just like fuck you for judging us
0: absolutely Absolutely. you're gonna say something oh I was like
3: that goes back to the whole John Waters like you know movement to like subvert like what's considered appropriate or okay it's like fuck you we're gonna fucking beat shit on camera we're
0: gonna
3: be the filthiest person there is like why because we can we don't care what you think
0: exactly and i think so many you know gay youth at the time or you know even if you weren't gay but especially if you were gay like you identified with that like you identified with being different and that this person was embracing being something like yeah i'll eat shit on it's almost like own literally owning your shit
4: yeah exactly. <laughs> right.
0: you know like i remember that i think i've even brought this up once before there was a family guy episode where they find out that lois had filmed a porn and oh, yeah. so the, and everybody was judging her and being like oh she filmed a porn, blah, 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 blah. So so what she did was she went into like this town hall meeting and she put the porn on and was just like there like she owned it yeah. and then no longer was it like this big deal mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like that like I think for me growing up like Divine was like one of those figures where I'm like wow she's like in the mainstream she's not not in, in my for my world it was the mainstream like we're, we're in a club listening to this we're in a club right. listening to a drag queen that sings a song it's like when I saw RuPaul the very first time RuPaul was one of the main inspirations for me as a musician and that happened because I was in a club in LA and I remember being at this club Studio One and I watched and I saw her show and I literally sat in a car with my friend after the show, and I was like, wow, if a drag, a drag queen can become popular and doing shows and performing and be on a video and have it an on music video, like, why can't I do that? And that inspired me to do that, which was why later on, and here's a quick little funny aside, years later, um, once i had hit the Billboard charts and I had you know done what I did, and I had worked for Christine W. on the way up there, who helped me, I did a show where it was me, RuPaul, and Christine W. <laughs> so it was kind of like this full circle thing for me. But you know, that, that, that made me believe that I could be something that I, that I could be a singer. I could be, you know, I could be famous. I could have a music video. I could do these things because if they could do it, then I could do it. So it was inspirational, you know, for me to see that.
1: And again, as a timestamp, like we're talking about the sixties, and seventies. We're right, not talking exactly. about nineties and two thousands. Right. Yeah.
0: Which for, is really for uh, sure. amazing. For sure. I mean, I was it was I was just coming I was just starting college. It was nineteen eighty seven, mm. you know, and I was going out to gay bars and you know, I would see RuPaul up on the screen and be like, Fuck, that's crazy. Yeah. And I remember feeling very proud, like, wow, we like we are starting to get noticed But, you know, there was such a long road ahead. But um oh, we're gonna leave we're out of time already.
1: Oh my gosh, go so right?
0: it just I know it just know. <laughs> we just oh yeah. Yeah, well, I took the phone off the hook. I was just so excited. <laughs> um, but on March 6th, 1980, Divine spent the day at Sunset Gower Studios rehearsing for his guest appearance um, the next day as Uncle Otto in Married with Children. And on March, uh, March seven should have been his big day. It was the first day that he would have really crossed over and been on you know mainstream TV. And that evening, he enjoyed a dinner with some friends at the restaurants um, at the Regency Plaza Suites Hotel, where he was staying. And he suffered, he suffered from an enlarged heart due to severe weight problem. Um, it was estimated that he was between 320 and 370 pounds and on the morning um, of March 7th, 1988, you know, they found his body um, by his manager found his body and he passed away from cardiac recti- arrest in his sleep. Um, one song that he did do, which was a cover, which I want to leave our listeners with today, was a Frankie Valley song, which he covered. Um, it was uh, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons actually hit called Walk Like a Man. And so I think that this also speaks volume. Like if you're going to cover a song as a drag queen, to, you know, to sing "Walk Like a Man,"
1: <laughs> that's amazing.
0: It's, there's so many like innuendos about that. Like I'm not, but I am, and doesn't really, you know. And I just think it was it's so so cool. So um, I want to g- uh, play out with this, but I want to um, thank you both so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, you guys right were amazing. Around, and thank you, all my listeners. You guys are amazing all around the world. We appreciate you listening to us every week. Don't forget if you're listening to us live. You you can subscribe to our podcast. Share them with your friends, and if you don't like the show, then share them with your enemies. Don't forget, we're on Instagram at Really Queen Radio. Our website's ReallyQueenRadio.com. And we uh, really, again, thank everybody for all of your support all year long. And um, we are going to uh, walk,
1: walk like a man.
0: Walk like a man, and we will see you guys next week on the show. Thank you very much. I'm Brian Kent, signing off. Thank you, Gina. Thank you, Dante. Bye bye. Have a good week, everybody. See you next week. of the title track Really Queen for the radio show it's actually a song outside of the radio show Um, but yeah that was fun doing that with you right? That was like a few years ago right? That was a few years ago we sat in this like recording studio just writing like some of the most fucked up lyrics you have ever heard in your life (laughs) talking about shell crab and fat fish and snatch and if you ever if you get a chance you can go onto iTunes and actually download the song or at least listen to a sample of it it's pretty like Plastic crab meat Plastic (laughs) crab meat so um, anyways yeah so we are starting season two. We've got um, our, this is our first time ever on a Thursday, which is super exciting. And we have um, our extended show format as well as our new date and time. So I'm super excited to be here. Um, if you haven't joined us before each week, we're exploring a new musical artist that has helped to influence the LGBTQ culture as we know it today. Um, so the show was born out of a conversation where a friend of mine were out and about and I said, Oh, this is so-and-so. And he was like, wait, who is this? And I was like, really queen? Because it was someone that he should have known. Right. Yeah for sure. So um, anyways if you want to talk to us at any point during the show you can reach out to us at 415-550-0511. Um, our Instagram is really Queen Radio and our website is really queen, really queen, really no W in there, really radio <laughs> dot radio.com where you can find our podcasts. So, um, the guys don't necessarily know, um, unless I open my mouth at some point exactly who we're talking about today, but, um, this is our, our artist for today. And I thought, you know, we've been talking about females so much for the first season. Um, I'm, you know, and obviously a lot of these female divas have influenced us, but this is an opportunity for me to, um, share with you some of the men that have influenced gay culture so here we go this is our first artist of the
4: day
5: On. Ground control to Major Tom Take your protein pills and put your helmet on Ground control to Major Tom 6 Commencing countdown engines on
0: song is like right
3: David, you remember the song. You're much older than me. I remember the song. I was probably 14 when it came out. You were 14 years old? No, I wasn't born yet. In 1969, I was not alive or a thought. I don't think my parents were. Well, my parents were teenagers.
0: You know your parents were teenagers? Oh yeah. In 1969? Yeah. I was born in 1969. My mom was 16 when I was born, so. Your mom was a cool girl. Yeah. She was feeling it. Young, very young. She was young. Well, our artist, if you don't know who that is, is none other than David Bowie. And ironically, this was not planned. Today is the third anniversary of his death, to yes. the date, right? Yes. Philip yes, was ma'am. like, "Philip was like, wait, didn't he die three years ago and today?" Was, and it was his birthday two days ago. His birthday was two days ago, January eighth. So um, he's known. as let me give you a little history on David Bowie, if you don't know. It's David Bowie. He's an English singer and songwriter and actor. He um, was basically a leading figure in the music industry, um, and is considered probably one of the most influential musicians of the 20th century. I mean, he was acclaimed by critics and musicians, um, especially during his work during the 1970s I mean his career was marked by reinvention which we know more than anybody if you look at Madonna you look at Cher it's all about reinvention and he kept reinventing himself over and over again um, through his look his visual presentation his music his stagecraft and a lot of that and most of that I would say had a huge impact on on pop music Um, that said during his lifetime his record sales were estimated at 140 million albums worldwide. Yeah, Damn! I, I know <laughs> that when he passed his uh, wife, Amon, she inherited a hundred million bucks. Yeah, she, well, she was, he was married to Iman, the, the, supermodel. the supermodel of the world. <laughs> And um, yeah, so that those those numbers made him one of the world's best-selling artists of all time. And he was, of course, you know, as many others, was inducted into the Rock of Hol- Hall of Fame in 1996. So, um, you know, I, this guy for me, I mean, I don't know about you guys. Like, I, you know, certainly in the 70s, I, I was growing up in the 70s, but I was still young. But I do remember a lot of his music. Philip, you you probably don't remember any of his music. No. But just I mean, <laughs> later on, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I, uh, you know, just
6: from hearing it in, in remixes or you know through friends but it's so far beyond <laughs> my time yeah well you're how old do you know 31 Aww. oh that's so cute she's so it cute, cute. Yeah. she's so cute well <laughs> that's
3: not well, I, mean, well, I grew me, up in the 70s but i'm a child of the 80s so i'm more of a labyrinth f- modern love david bowie right yeah me you know, too that's what i
0: remember totally right. totally totally i mean i that's exactly what i remember too i mean so he, he had a very interesting i mean his career is amazing but he started off with a very interesting. he he was formed his first band when he was 15 years old in 1962, way before our time, um, called the Conrad's. And then he went to another band called the King Bees. And then he got this manager finally, um, which, which later on helped him to transition to, into being a solo artist. But, um, he moved to another band called the buzz and he, they basically put out like unsuccessful single after one after another. So, you know, his career was not marked from the beginning, you know, by being, you know, successful or, or being a hit right off the bat. Um, but a thing that's very interesting about his name, um, Do you know what his real name is? I don't. It's David Robert Jones. So guess what they called him instead of David? Like as a kid. What? Davy. Davy. Right. Now now put that together. Davy Jones. <laughs> That's true. Right. Okay, so Very true. the reason that he changed his name Who's is Davy Jones. Exactly. So Davy Jones was becoming popular around the same time and he was um, a part of the Monkees the band the Monkees So everyone was like Davy Jones and it was getting confused. He was like, I gotta change my name. So he ended up changes changing his name from um, from David Robert Jones. Jones or Davy Jones to David Bowie it's kind of interesting right um his he in 1967 he had a single called the laughing gnome where he he did this thing where he sped up all these like high pitched vocals and did all this stuff anyways it didn't chart and then six weeks later he debuted his album David Bowie called David Bowie which was met with the same fate it was did not do well so after all of that he basically decided you know what I'm I'm done and he stopped for two years You didn't hear anything from him at all and then he met this dancer by the name of Lindsay Kemp in 1967, and he enrolled in this guy's dance classes at the London Dance Center, and he studied dramatic arts with him. He studied like everything from avant-garde to mime to um, commedia dell'arte, and he became immersed in this whole like idea of creating a persona around the artist um, through those studies. So um, his second album, which was um, which was reissued internationally in 1972, called Space Odyssey, which is the song that you just heard from that from that album. Um, it, it had, you know, the whole album was very physis- like it was a physis, what's the word I'm trying to say? Philosophical post-hippie lyrics on like peace and love and morality and um, very acoustic rock, um, but it was not actually a commercial success at the time. So that song and that first album was not necessarily a commercial success. It wasn't until his third album called The Man Who Sold the World um, came out and that that particular album had a lot to do with um, schizophrenia and like mental illness. His family had a lot of mental illness. His brother was mentally ill. He had suicides in his family. So it would make sense that he would sing a song about that, right? and um his next album called hunky dory in 1971 which is probably the beginning of when i start remembering a lot of his stuff had two hits that were both a tribute to uh andy warhol and the velvet underground and bob dylan and the song was called changes and this song for me is like i don't know it's one of the songs that i've always loved because i think it it always represents it represents like you know things change things happen you go through changes and this was um this was the song that he wrote about it so let's 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 give it a listen
3: I I also think it was used in a commercial. I, re- I want to think it's in like a couple of car commercials.
0: Oh yeah, or that, sa- that sounds familiar. familiar? Yeah, P- probably. Um, we're, I wanted to play this little game with you guys, and we're gonna, I guess we'll just Uh-oh. do like true, true or false. Oh, it's like true or false <laughs> games. Okay, this is easy. Okay, we're gonna start with a very easy one. True or false? David Bowie refused to drink tea. False. Go Mm. True. The answer is true. Oh, so when he was five, Bowie's parents That's took him. So w- random. I know. Wait, wait, right? <laughs> he th- didn't really
3: reject it his whole life.
0: He did. Wait, he did. So when he was really quaint,
6: really quaint. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder she had a bad experience. <laughs>
0: she she did. So wait, when he was five years old, Bowie's parents took him on a, a famous boat trip where he drank tea that had been stewing for seven years. Oh, and it was so awful <laughs> that he hasn't drunk water. Right, probably. But it's, it was so awful that he hasn't drunk a cup of tea since. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't think, you know, if I had that kind of scar, like you said, something happened seven, at his early seven years. That's, That's pretty cool. scarring. What is like, where, where was that? <laughs> I,
3: I don't, I don't and really your parents. Come on now. You're like, <laughs> so, <here's> a child. <laughs> why, why would
0: it, first of all, why would anybody want to drink tea that was seven years your old? Parents were trying to kill him. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, okay. Here's another question. Here's another little pop question. Okay. So, um, two or false. David Bowie's eye co- eyes are the same color. They are not, absolutely. Um, I'll agree with David on that one. (laughs) Okay, so... The answer is that his eyes are exactly the same color. But one is missing pigment. <laughs> well, here's the story. Contrary to popular belief, David Bowie's eyes are the exact same shade of blue. They just look different due to a permanently dilated pupil, which he acquired during his school days when he and his friend, George Underwood, his friend punched him in the eye in a fight over a girl. Yep. And because of that fight, his eye is now permanently dilated. And so people think his eyes are different colors because they can't, it doesn't look the same.
6: It should have been the T. That would have been him.
0: <laughs> Good story. <laughs> what, the tea? The, the tea. tea. She drank the tea and her eyes I changed agree. colors. It's oh, <laughs> like, so, girl, what was in that tea, girl? Girl, what was it? What's the tea, girl? <laughs> Tea-na-na-na. Tea-na-na-na. So... In 1972, his album "The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust" this is kind of like what well, was the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars that was his band, kind of that's the album that made him a superstar. And I, re- I mean, I remember the name Ziggy Stardust. I remember being being young and being like, "Who the fuck was Ziggy? Who is this person?" Right. So he dressed. He, uh, do you know who's? Zig- do you know his character at all, um, Philip? Yeah, yeah, him? I've I've seen it, but uh, I don't know the story behind it. Yeah, I mean, he dressed in these these wild costumes that spoke of some kind of like future, and he portrayed this this persona. Um, called Ziggy Stardust and it kind of signaled this new age in rock music where it wasn't just seeing a singer it was these personas it was these characters that were played um, and it kind of that kind of i kind of and that whole I guess that whole era kind of announced the end of Woodstock it was the end of the 60s right we were now in the 70s and we were doing a lot of like really um, a lot of really different shit so this next song um, which for me you know again is another one that I remember really really clear but this is this is the one that kind of I think really changed a lot. A lot of things for him.
5: Made it too far Became the special man Then we were Ziggy's bad Ziggy really sang Screwed up eyes and screwed down hairdo Like some cat from Japan He could lick them by smiling He could leave them to hide Came on so loaded man, well hung the snow white tan So
0: where were the spiders? While the fly tried to break our bones So that brings back memories for me. The I like to guide us a little closer there,
4: David.
0: It's like roller skating? <laughs> Sorry, that's there you are. I pushed the wrong slider. Girl, she's still, She's got all kinds of buttons up in here. Still, she's still trying to get used to this stuff. You know, the thing about him, though, is as well as being remembered for his musical talents, I mean, he was remembered for redefining sexuality for an entire generation, which I think is why he was so big in the gay community. I mean, when he stepped on the stage as Ziggy Stardust in 1969, originally, um, he was Ziggy Stardust is one of the world's greatest gay icons. I mean, it, that it was at that moment, I think him as a gay icon. Khan was born, because he rewrote all of the rule books.
3: Yeah, and I think, though, that for David Bowie, he wasn't an activist in the traditional sense. I mean, David Bowie's music and his, you know, his the way he portrayed characters was kind of a background to the gay movement, but he himself was not, you know, out and about, you know,
0: waving the flag. Yeah, I mean, way, way back then, there was really no flag to sure. wave. I, I mean, mean, you know... 69 is, you know, when it all started. Right. So, you know, I think, but you're right. I think he, just by being, and that's why people, why the gay community identified with him, is because... At the, in that time there was that didn't happen. No, Pe- he was
3: very feel- unapologetic about his androgyny and just you know, he was very experimental, not just in music, but just in I remember the album cover as a kid. Remember going to the record store? Oh yeah. Lord Lord oh Lord my Lord, god. Really queen, record store. I had I'm,
0: my my fucking record was in a record store. I Tower know. records and Virgin <laughs> Records. Wow, that's a that's a that definitely deserves I one of these. Album, <laughs> the album art was like the album
3: art back then was just beautiful and you it's what part of the reason you bought the record was to take it home and unwrap it and David Bowie had the most beautiful. Full covers and art, and you know it was a true
0: package. Yeah, I mean you look at his you look at his photos, and it's like it's drag. I mean it is, it's it it's is. just the, the makeup and the outfits and the costumes and just everything. It's 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 pretty phenomenal. And at that time, that was that was breaking rules. I mean, I'm sure for you, Philip, like you know you've you've grown up in a in a place where you've seen this from the beginning. I mean, you know when you were a kid or when you were first coming out. I mean, I don't know how old you were when you came out, but, but it was like probably like 15 or 16. So 15 or 16 years old, and. You you know you, you saw drag queens and you saw these things where you know back then you just didn't see this kind of stuff and so to see someone you know like that it kind of made people go oh I can relate and, and hence you know becoming um, a, a gay icon um, you know I, I'm sure you guys know the story because it's kind of a, a good story about his coming out but two years after he was married to his first wife um, in 1970 Bowie told the world that he was gay uh, right on the cusp of his frame um, and in an interview that he did later uh, in 1972 he, you know, he sorry when he, in 1972 when he did this interview he said I'm gay and I always have been right. so he like came out as gay so then it was like holy shit like he's gay and then he later came out and said okay I'm not gay yeah. I'm well, bisexual he also, said,
3: he also said later that that was probably one of the biggest mistakes he ever made was saying that because he didn't realize the power of saying that at that time and how bad it
0: could be for anybody who said it out loud absolutely and you know it's interesting what you just said to add on to that he also said that it was a bigger mistake for him in the United States than it was in Europe yep, it was mm, I mean that makes sense yeah because we're just all kind of got panties in a bunch right, over provincial here and just backwoods. Yeah. So it, it was, you know, it's definitely interesting, but you know, he, I think he, like you said, he realized later that maybe he had had done the, the best thing, but then he came out and said, Oh, I'm a bisexual. Yeah.
3: But you know, he was known for fucking every woman he could get his hands on. Right. I mean, there are stories about him introducing himself and saying, may I show you to the bathroom? And women <laughs> would literally go with him in the bathroom and they okay, would leave queen. with a smile on their face. And that was how he did it. Bette Midler apparently fucked him in a cupboard. <laughs> yeah, It's like, I was reading up on it. Like, he's just been with some of the most Susan Sarandon he's been with he's been with oh, really? all these women oh yeah. girl that's I had I had the team Tina, t- <laughs> Tina Turner he had Tina Turner
0: the Tina Turner everybody needs <laughs> to do wow well so when he, when he you know, but just as quickly as he like transformed himself into this Ziggy Stardust character he changed it again he was constantly reinventing himself he had all these different different characters I remember uh, it was Conan O'Brien I think on his show did this thing where he was, re- he was flashing back on all the different versions of who David Bowie was and it was like all these different characters like the bucktooth wizard and the hunchback this and Ziggy Stardust and it was like all these hunchback. crazy characters. Yeah, it was, the pictures are hilarious. He's like this hunchback, he has this like thing attached to his back and then suddenly there's these giant buck teeth in this wizard hat. <laughs> I mean, I guess. But it, you know, he was also so a voice
3: on SpongeBob. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was in 2007. <laughs> wait, 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 He had a character on, on SpongeBob. Oh my God. The voice. What, we, what, what, uh, what character was it? Uh, the character, I wrote it down here. It was Lord, Lord Royal Highness. Lord, of course it was.
0: Lord, <laughs> Royal Highness was it, was it like a crustacean Or like it What was he uh, <laughs> Crustacean Well he used The celebrity status You know He produced albums For Lou Reed And Iggy Pop So he kind of Went in, into a different Direction um, In 1973 he, he disbanded The Spiders So he stopped With that Shelved his whole Stardust produ- persona And um, you know Continued with A similar kind of Glam wa- rock style But just wasn't Doing it as Ziggy Stardust And he released His album In 1973 Called Aladdin Sane And it had tracks Like The Gene Genie and let's spend the night together. Um, he collaborated with Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. So let's hear, um, let's hear the Gene Genie. This is from um, the Aladdin uh, Sane uh, album. The small Gene Genie, snuck off from
5: the city. And Slashback Blazers And Ate All Your Razors While Pulling The Waiters Talking About Monroe And Walking on Snow White New York's A Go-Go And Everything Tastes nice. Like poor Little Greeny
0: Dream Genie I used to love I Dream of Genie <laughs> i <It> just <laughs> reminded me <of> that. <laughs> <laughs> I Dream of Jeannie. Um, there, uh, yeah. So um, around this time, he released this album called Pinups, which was like a, a, an album filled with just cover songs that were originally recorded by a bunch of different artists um, and bands, including like Pink Floyd and stuff like that. But um, by the mid-70s, Bowie had undergone like a full scale makeover. He no longer did these like outrageous costumes and these garnished sets. And um, in two years, he released um, two albums. He released uh, an album called David Live, which was him live and then young americans and you know young americans you, you remember that song right have yeah. you have you heard that song yet no, never yeah it's it's really an awesome um it's an awesome song because uh i don't know it feels very it's it's patriotic and it was trying i think it was during the war like kind of i don't know the whole history behind young americans but it just has a gr- it's a gr- great song and it just feels good and it kind of makes you feel you know inspired and and being an american and i don't know a lot of things that we don't feel today (laughs) even though he's not an american right you know right well he has he actually sang a lot about america which is interesting and there's a song going to play at the very end of the show which is so apropos right now but this is one of my favorite songs i just want to give you a taste of it really quick um
5: Behind the fridge he lays her down He frowns See, my life's a funny thing Am I still too young? He kissed the woman there She took his ring Took his babies it Took him minutes Took her nowhere Never no, she's a taken in a All night oh, 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 oh.
4: she wants a
6: I'm yeah. What do you think of it, Philip? Yeah, I like it. It's funky. It's
3: funky and cute. I feel like he's trying to sing now, not like before trying to be a character. So you're right. Once he sheds that character, it feels like he's trying to actually sing a song, right, as
0: opposed to like being this be character. Thing. Yeah. Um, should we go back to our little fun little um, game quiz? Yes. Yeah, okay. okay. So, well, this is more of a, that, rather than true false. Who does he? What other famous artist, musician does he share a birthday with? <sighs> like big King of rock Elvis. Yeah. Wow. He was born on the 8th of January as well. Exactly. Well, he was born 12 years after Elvis Presley was, but they share a birthday. It's kind of interesting, yeah. He, he, but yeah, yeah. He used to always joke <laughs> around saying that he and Elvis used to share their birthdays together and stuff. He was actually on a talk show. He's like, yeah, I, I, we get together and we share our birthdays together. And, and Conan was like, uh, really? And he's like, yeah, no <laughs> he girl without
6: killed. a hint. How were we ever going to guess that? One? <laughs>
0: I don't know, girl. <laughs> you got a phone, right? <laughs> she got, a she got service she got metro um okay so this is interesting so true or false david bowie was um was the one to first ever release a major downloadable single that would make sense i would say yeah out of that mm-hmm. I'm gonna say false. Um, the answer is that David Bowie's "Telling Lies" was made available for download on his website in 1996, making what, it bitch? the first downloadable single from a major artist ever. It would have taken approximately 11 minutes to download it using the dial-up speed. Oh, Remember that AOL. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time trying to get the weather and the map was coming up. It took
3: like a half hour just to like... Not get, just that, but like somebody would call while you were online and you're like, I'm online.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old days. So, I mean, since we're talking about that, here's an interesting fact about him. David Bowie set up his own internet service provider called BowieNet in 1998, which kept going until 2012. Wow. I did not know. <laughs> so, listen to this. So, signing, signing on to BowieNet costs 10 pounds a month and each user was given a free... 20 megabytes, a uh, free 20 megabytes to make um, their own homepage. And users were given um, loads of like Bowie co- content and exclusive web chats and bonus tracks. He was ahead, t- ahead of the curve. Way ahead of the curve. 2012? 2012. Yeah, until That's 2012. That's crazy. Right. Just until 2012 was still going. But 1998. That's like people that still have a hotmail. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I still got an AOL. Ya- yeah, Yahoo. Really queen? <laughs> I get <hear> really queen. <laughs> Seriously, girl. I know. I tell people I'm like, I have AOL. They're like. Really queen? I'm like yes girl I got AOL still it's like a fake it's free movie. I'm not gonna get rid of it I send all my shit there that I don't really that I don't really care about but um so there's also this other funny story actually I should share with you that he was um, he was actually stalked on tour once by a five foot three inch rabbit rabbit people okay, look at him like what the fuck <laughs> what? are you fucking talking about so while he was on his North American tour in 2004 he was um, stalked by someone in a pink rabbit costume and so he, he's like it seemed like relatively he didn't really wasn't really phased by it like he kept seeing this What's like so rabbit appearing in the in the audience and he's like you know hey it's walking and roll, whatever like a five foot three bunny like whatever um, but he said that it got a little harrowing later on because he, Bowie got on a plane out of New York and the bunny still in costume was on the plane got <laughs> that of here. No. <laughs> you just <That's> imagine, like you're, it's <laughs> like the
6: Fiji Water girl. Like, exactly. what is that presence <laughs> behind me? Bitch? Totally creeping. Like, two seats
0: behind. Like, She's, oh, I know. I, know. I was oh. like, um, okay, that would be kind of scary if you were sitting with the bunny came on the flight. Come on, that's a good way to stalk someone, though. But, if you're gonna stalk someone.
3: Do it fun? Do it like that. Do it like all fun and cute. Like and just hide out in front of their house in your bunny costume. I know. Well, that makes me think of that
6: Donnie Darko. Oh yeah, that creepy ass bunny. <laughs> Wait, with the bunny <laughs> from, from yeah, the movie. Oh wait what movie Dun- Donnie Darko it's like I a cult classic you know? yeah it's like I still haven't seen it oh my god it's like obscure. the creepiest bunny you've ever seen and it like and you it's like kind it, of like a stalker bunny yeah
3: you watch it you're like am I high am I I must be high watching this am I, <laughs>
0: or I wish I was high yeah, watching the this the way you get it right so just kind of going on with his career 1980 he he's now living in New York and he released Scary Monsters um, which was a, a very you know applauded album that featured Ashes to Ashes and an, kind of an update after which just kind of an update version of his earlier space odyssey um number and he did um he did this song called fashion which i thought was cool because when i write it's an awesome song right? and when i listen to the song what i'm thinking wait first of all what does this remind me of and then i was like wait a minute who copied this song like a little bit like i'm thinking maybe and it never i never put that together i'm gonna let you listen to a piece of it and then when we're done listening to it i want you to tell me like who who it is that i'm thinking of that i'm pretty sure got their shit from this song okay here we go
4: I, I'm dance, but I don't know its name. i sure. sure.
0: yeah definitely I heard that today and I was like I was listening to it and I never I never put that together and I was like wait did he just say turn to the left <laughs>
3: turn to the right <laughs> work that really is what fashion is about right just turning to the left I mean it is right.
0: but I kind of wonder like if she really did kind of get it from that probably I
3: because mean, it's,
0: it sounds it, like it but it's but not always just been
3: influential just with everyone so
0: Madonna and Gaga and
3: even all the divas we have now, isn't that true? Like, so they, s- they straight up admit it.
0: They straight up admit it. Yeah. Which, is, why shouldn't they? <laughs> they yeah, yeah. Have to be influenced by somebody. Like, it's a homage. Just it, do it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I just think that maybe you know RuPaul should give a shout out to Mr. Ziggy here. Um, but here's my, my one of my favorite tracks. So Bowie actually teamed up with Queen, which um, you, do you know this, Philip? Yeah, yeah. the Team and released this Queen under and, uh, pressure. Uh huh. Again, look at you girl. Yes, Vic. And released a single that was included. Um, in Queen's 1982 album called Hot Space. So it was it was released on one of their albums. Um, it did reach number one on the UK single charts and it became Queen's second number one hit in their home country just after Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, it The song was played every time that Queen performed live in concert between 1981 until uh, the end of Queen's touring career in 1986 so I mean, it was that big of a song so to imagine to have to do a duet which you know some, most of the time you do duets with somebody it's like whatever it's yeah. not, it yeah. doesn't define your career but to have someone like David Bowie and Queen work together and have that be such a hit for Queen it's pretty, pretty incredible did you guys see the movie um, Bohemian Ratsy? I have not seen it I haven't either I know, like, now, I, I mean, I, I wanted to, but now I really feel like I should, since yeah, he...
3: I think so. I haven't seen a movie since 1947. Like, I never get to that house. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing the math, I'm like, oh, this bitch. She's like, I'm saying it's in 97. Yeah, I just... I, I think I, it's I, We talk about all the movies we want to see, but we just never see them. It's just something we talk about. Can you just wait till they come out like at home? TV, yeah. I think Girl. it's at
6: the Castro Theater this week. Yeah, it is,
3: you know?
0: I, w- I would see a movie. I would, I would love to go see that at the... At the I mean, how gay is that? Yeah. <laughs> like, going to see Bohemian Rhapsody at the Castro Theater. Um, i definitely think we need to do that but like did you watch the golden globes yes yeah 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 i thought they were really good not 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 not, okay let me let me phrase it the hosts (laughs) were not the hosts. oh my my god God. i was jokes sandra oh no honey (laughs) i was like no that that wasn't good but i thought like in terms of like the nominees and who was selected i thought that 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 it was thought out it didn't just feel like it was just like based on a popular vote right yeah um and also i think
3: sometimes the popular vote gets split amongst
0: popular movies leaving the odd man out to, to come and, and win no absolutely true I mean don't, don't you think that like let's say the, uh, the Oscars or Academy versus like Golden Globes I feel like so many of the Academies are based more like you, you whoever you expect to win which means whoever you like the most whatever's the most popular seems to be what wins more where I feel like the Golden Globes like they actually look a little bit deeper into the art yeah.
6: itself and same with like the SAG Awards too
0: Yeah, right. so I, I kind of I enjoyed that I enjoy you know and I thought the people that won were like you know they, they deserved it Yeah. There has to
3: be a healthy balance too, because, you know, like you look at people like Spielberg that are overlooked for major movies that are not just popular, but also, you know, really well done.
0: Sometimes popularity can like work against you. No, no, absolutely. Um, You know, speaking of movies, uh, David Bowie was in a movie. Yes, he was. You you obviously know which one it is, right? I love that movie. So, I mean, he... um, If you grew up in the eighties, you have to, you have to love this movie. The funny thing is I didn't know about that movie. Like I knew, like I, I was obviously around. I just never really saw it because I was never really a, a, I mean I guess I don't know how I should say this I was really a Muppet kid I was a Muppet I was more of a Sesame Street kid which I know has, like, <laughs> <laughs> but like I did like them on their own like the movies with them I don't know I didn't remember seeing it till I was actually an adult and I actually play it at musical uh, yep. Wednesdays at the Edge when I host their what's the movie the movie's called Labyrinth, Labyrinth okay and it's you know he's running around with a bunch of puppets singing um, he did have a career outside of music I mean it wasn't <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's illustrious but um, he he helped um, Um, he landed the title role in The Man Who Fell From Earth which was in 1976 um, and he starred on Broadway in The Elephant Man yep which I was unaware of until recently, but the reviews were not great. But right, but you know, whatever. She was there, girl. That's you know, that's, that's <laughs> um, and, But she, but, but her performance was critically acclaimed. Even even if the show didn't do well, she definitely. Yeah, the show was not a big hit. For sure. Um, and then in 1996, what we were talking about, he starred um, as Jareth the Goblin King, in the fantasy adventure film *Labyrinth*, which was directed by Jim Henson of *The Muppets* and produced by George Lucas. Which you know, hello, George Lucas film. Um, but we performed opposite of um, Jennifer Connelly and a cast of puppets in the movie which became now what is a 1980's cult classic Um, so you know,
3: I mean... It came out around the same time as, like, The Dark Crystal. Do you remember I that? Was, I old? was
6: literally just Googling that. I'm like, yeah. I was like, it was a labyrinth or a dark yeah, crystal dark that was, I remember. They were,
3: they were about the same kind of time
0: that those happened. I don't think I saw The Dark Crystal. Where have you
3: been? Girl, I don't Where know. You in the 80s? Girl, this, Girl, this, 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 been shows, been... Up, this shows up. This shows that
0: this, this is is this this now shows, like, this shows about me. It's like... Queen. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck have you been? <laughs> Wait, what did you... What,
6: that's so, that's that puppet is so creepy looking. Yeah. Is that The Dark Crystal? Yeah, that's The Dark Crystal. It looks like part, like, monkey kind of puppet. That kind of...
3: Muppets were the shit in the '80s. I don't care what you were doing. If you didn't sing Rainbow Connection, you were fucked up.
0: If you did, oh my! You know what's funny? When I was learn when I was first taking vocal lessons, that was the first song. And I remember when my teacher pulled out the the sheet music, and it was the cover was Kermit. Yeah. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me! <laughs> I am not singing a Kermit the Frog song. I'm thinking I have to sing like him, you know, just because he was on the cover. And she's like, no, don't I'm just- you already? <laughs> sing <laughs> right. like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I was like, calm right. down. I'm like I I'm <laughs> Learning how to impersonate Kerm- Kermit in this in this gig, so but no, I mean that was that was definitely yeah. one of the we songs. Had
3: an elementary school teacher, and she would like if we were being rowdy, she would break out that little weird harpsichord thing that you play on your lap. What's that thing called? The little she would like strum it. Oh yeah, wait, the uh, keys. She would play like two chords of like Rainbow Connection, and the kids mm-hmm. were like would be silent, and we would all start singing. It was so cultish and weird. How many? Yeah, songs I, was, I was. We were. Songs into about it. We rainbows. Would, like, like literally, she could have forced us to kill people, and we would have done it.
0: <laughs> you guys are singing, and she, <laughs> we like, I can. <laughs> this
3: group of kindergarten kids walking out singing Rainbow Connection with knives. <laughs> with very Children of the Corn craziness happening. Oh,
6: oh my god! And then one of the kids in the class was turned into that
0: that pink bunny.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. It's full circle. It's full circle. Well, let's just let's hear Under Pressure just for a second, just because I just want to hear it. All right, here we go. I think it's great think it's <laughs> right. and that's what's most important um i know you were just talking about um vanilla <laughs> eyes because <what? laughs> you know what's sad is that now when i hear the
3: beginning of that that's the yeah, well, yeah, that's what happens with sampling that's why you got to pay them it's like you hijack fuck. someone's baseline and you you think you're gonna just keep it for yourself i, mean, I think i think they had to pay him a lot of money for that. i hope they paid him a lot of money oh, yeah. for that literally ripped but that was you have to remember sampling was a new thing it was no one knew really kind of how to how to capitalize on
0: it, so people just pirated it. Well, it definitely reminds me of that. I also remember. It also reminds me of him being. Do you remember when they used to do uh, on Living Color? They used to do those like fake music videos yeah. and like redo all the words. And all I remember is them doing Ice Ice Baby, and he goes, because um, didn't he get stabbed? Yeah, he got. Right, stab. so he's like, so the so the lyrics that they changed it to is, I said I got stabbed in the butt, but it really was a toilet paper cut. <laughs> what
3: all <laughs> <toilet paper laughs> That's all. You Remember,
0: that's, that's all I remember. They, they did this whole thing, and they're just like, I said I got stabbed in the butt, but it really was a toilet paper cut. <laughs> ding, 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 ding.
3: <laughs> yeah, and he really didn't get stabbed, though. No, I wasn't who beat his ass. There was some producer that just hung him out a window and said, I'm going to kill you. And some some shady music, definitely some shady. And shit. now he's got a home improvement show on HGTV. Does he really? No, yeah, he does. I mean, is, he, like is, is it good? Mentions. It's weird because you just wait for him to sing this song at any time. Well, now I know why you don't go to movies, you're at home watching
4: ice <laughs> ice
3: ice. ice Baby on fucking home improvement shows. I like watching people renovate homes. That's my thing. I know.
0: Well, I, I kind of like that too, but I don't know about vanilla ice.
4: <laughs> I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna,
0: <laughs> can you just does he does he like, does what's he, his
6: style? No, he
3: really he goes in. He's a contractor now, and he just like fucking tears up the kitchen and puts in like new stuff. And it's you
0: know. Well, three years later. <laughs> three years later, um, but we recorded "Let's Dance," which is what you were talking about. And this is 1993, and it contained like. Like Modern Love, which you remember, China Girl, My Little China Girl, all that stuff, um, and Let's Dance. I mean, that right? That's yeah, kind of that's the song nice that song. was right in the middle of me being a teenager, and probably you yeah. as well. Um, do you know the song, Philip? Yeah, I know the song. You do? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who doesn't know this stuff?
4: Right
5: you <laughs>
0: Girl, I was smoking clothes and sniffing poppers. <laughs> Seriously, like this song is like totally like that time. Yeah. I had jet blue black hair. I was going to high school at Santa Monica. Actually, I wasn't I think I was I wasn't high school yet, I was in junior high school, but just about and just that time when I was being rebellious. You were in Southern California? I was in Southern California.
3: Oh, I was in rural Georgia, girl. We were like wearing our parachute pants. We thought we were doing it. Oh my god. Yeah. Do
0: you know that just reminded me that when so I 'cause I I grew up, part, when I was in junior high school, I was in Marina Del Rey. And Marina Del Rey is it like. It sounds really white. It is, really white. <laughs> and very like straight and, you know, very concerned. Like it's not cool and hip. And I was hanging out with a bunch of like really cool kids, right? So I went to school and there was this one girl who was my friend and she lived in this complex that I lived in. So she, we went to the same school. So she's like, okay, she's like a punk rocker girl. And I was like, this bitch is cool. So we went out and I bought like parachute pants and all this shit. And I went to school. The next day, I, I remember this because I was the only one who look like this and <laughs> i got so much <laughs> shit i mean you would have thought i was an alien because of these pants that i was wearing i mean i looked really fucking cool but i had like you know blue black hair and you know just all that all that stuff was going on during the time and let's dance was- but i remember like
3: you know a bunch of redneck kids trying to be cool was so bad it's embarrassing so yeah really i mean bad. i'm sure were you what do you say Georg- rural, georgia. rural georgia rural georgia country way out in the country like there's like 25 kids in the whole class what was what was it like here in, uh, what year was that?
0: (laughs) Oh, you you weren't even born yet. (laughs) Oh my God. 83. 83. 83. Yeah. She's like, no girl. No. Uh, She was in, she was in her mother's womb still (laughs) planning, planning the outfits. (laughs) Four years out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, you know, over the next decade, he bounced back and forth between like acting and music and the music was actually suffering. Um, outside of a couple like semi-hits, um, basically his musical career kind of languished a little bit. Um, he did some side projects with some, musicians and he put out um, two albums Tin Machine and Tin Machine 2 um, both proved to be flops and um, his hyped album Black Tie White Noise um, which Bowie described as his wedding gift to his new wife um, S- supermodel Iman, I backward with her um, also st- struggled to resonate with buyers like they just they just didn't fly the same way that it had flown for so many years right. and even though he's still a legend he just wasn't making, making the new stuff um, so here is a really crazy fact So oddly enough, the most popular Bowie creation of that period were these things called Bowie Bonds. What? They were financial securities that the artist—wait, <laughs> listen—that the artist, <laughs> artist himself, backed with his royalties from his pre-1990 work. So he he issued these bonds in 1997 and earned 55 million dollars from the sale of, of, of these bonds. And then he the an internet company, where
4: he, <laughs> right, right. Bonds and internet.
0: then the, the the rights to his music back catalog were returned to him when the bonds matured in 2007. Wow, but that's Isn't that, genius. That's genius. Yeah, that's genius. I mean, I, I was re- I, when I read that, I was like, "What? I didn't know who, you could do that? Who <laughs> what, I thought like, of that? Who, 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 I mean, right? Who even knew you could do that?" But I guess the musical rights are what's worth the money, right? But to ha- to be able to get like 55 million just by selling these bonds, like that's just nuts. I mean, it's 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 pretty. Um, it's pretty. I mean, it's who, pretty buys, who buys that? You know, who buys into this idea? The people that are on Boeing. It. <laughs> the people that are on Boeing. Um Okay, we're we're actually um, we're actually winding down. Here already, but we, had, we can't we can't leave this without talking about this. So this next song was a song that was written by Marvin Gaye originally, and it oh became popular in 1964 um, when uh, Martha and the Vandellas did their version, and it reached very you know high on the charts and stuff like that. And then the Mamas and Papas did a copy, and then uh, did a cover, and then Van Halen did a cover, and then these two guys decided to get together and Girl. do this cover: David Bowie and Mick Jagger. <laughs> I that. I, when I was a kid, I don't know. Do you remember Friday night
3: videos? Yes. It was for the poor people who didn't have MTV. So they can watch me. Uh, no, like I don't. One, one time. A week. <laughs> I, was
6: just, I was just trying to do that. She, she's, she's in a, she's in a home. Yep, Marina, Friday, yeah. You, Marina you, Del Rey. You lost right, me at yeah,
3: four. Yeah. She's got her parachute pants <laughs> to take off. Um, but <laughs> Friday night videos came on at like midnight and played to like two in the morning and you had to stay up late to do it. So. I do
6: remember that. But actually. you know,
3: it's for people who did, it was regular TV. So it wasn't MTV, but it came on super late. So we would stay up and we would record it on our VHS. And, you don't know what that is, too. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> girl, VHS. I know what a beta is, too. Yeah, exactly. We had microwaves and everything, so um, <laughs> we were recording on VHS. And I remember I was staying up late to record. Like I think it was like, of course I'm gay. So who's that girl or something? I really wanted to like record the video. Uh huh. And this motherfucking video was on the tape the next day, and I literally was like, what the fuck am I watching? The I, I'd heard the song on the radio, but then when I saw the video, I was like, oh my god, I don't even know how this got made. Okay, so th- I'm
0: gonna play this for you. Yeah, so if, just, if you have. You've never seen this video? I don't know. It's, okay, so, you, so we heard the song. When you get a chance, go watch this video. Yeah, you Because this video. is the most bizarre thing I have ever seen. And yeah. they actually did this funny um, spoof Family video Guy. on it. On um, Family Guy, they, they showed it.
3: Yeah. From beginning to end. It's like Literally so
0: funny. And there's also one where they do the sounds. Like they do, it's like, it's like yeah. sounds instead of like singing yeah. words. Anyways, this is the song. <laughs> 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 song oh, is good, right? It's just, that, it's just the video, which is
3: just like, what? It's so 80s, 90s. I researched this because I was so curious about it. The video was shot in one evening. They literally had no idea what they were going to do. They were just told just to wear matchy, matchy clothes. Oh, my so God. So they wore, like, and it was just the two of them, like, almost kissing for the whole song as as close as they could possibly get
0: without doing it and it was just a surprise to everyone who made the video wow wow well Bowie released his final album called Black Star on January 8th which was his birthday in 2016 Um, and obviously he died two days later on January 10th Um, and uh, the album actually ended up receiving um, a lot of awards and if you remember I was actually voting for the because you used to vote in the the Grammy Awards and this was the year I remember that I was voting and and he had won Best Alternative Rock Album, Best Engineered Album, Non-Classical, Best Recording Package, and Best Rock Performance, and Best Rock Song categories, all in the Grammys. So this is two days after he passed away, he won five yeah, Grammy Awards. So the, right. be the trick is you gotta be dead before you The trick is you gotta be dead. Because, you know, he was another one that was like, you know, he'd been nominated for so many Grammys, but only won like a handful. Like, he didn't win a lot compared yep. to the number that he was nominated for. So it's just kind of an, an interesting thing. Um, I want to play this really quick before we go out, and then I'll leave you guys... Um, This interview, this little clip of him, actually um, of him actually talking, which is um, kind of, I just thought was kind of cool when he talks about what What did David Bowie think about David Bowie?
7: Um, Well, all right, I find that I'm a a person who um, can um, take on the guises of of different people that I meet. I can switch accents in, in. seconds of meeting somebody and I can adopt their accent. I've always found that I collect. I'm a collector. Um, and I've always just seemed to collect personalities, um, ideas. I have a hodgepodge philosophy, which really is very minimal. Um, very Do you little believe in God, is, What? Do you believe in God? Um, I believe in an energy form. I'm not, I, wouldn't, uh, put a, I wouldn't like to put a name to it. Do you indulge in any form of worship? Um, uh, life. I love life very much indeed. You split people down the middle, don't you, a lot? Uh, that is to say that people are, are hostile to you, or they're, in di- or they're totally indifferent. Oh, absolutely, to yeah. Um, mm. what, kind of, what kind of reaction do you get from the people who are, are violently in favor of you? I mean, do you get fan mail? Yes, a lot. What could, uh, is it scabrous, or dangerous, or interesting, or exciting? It's very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> In what way? Um, well, uh, I seem to draw a lot of fantasies out of people, and a lot of the fan mail I get. A lot of it is awfully nice. I mean, they, they say, um, how's your baby, and how's your wife, and what's your mum's name, and things like that. And a lot, but some of them are worth framing. Can you tell okay. us one or two of the framed ones? No, I couldn't really. No, they really are quite heavy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Heavy-duty letters, they are. Heavy-duty.
0: Heavy-duty. Uh, sorry, do you so sorry, I drop this in sometimes. <laughs> you can't, like, understand. Him. I love it. Well, we're going to go on this note. Thank you so much for listening to Really Queen Radio. You know, regardless of Bowie's own sexuality, it's clear that the superstar became a revolutionary icon for the gay community, pushing all kinds of boundaries that at the time was not acceptable. I want to thank my guests tonight, David Helton and Philip Grasso. Thank, thank you, guys, Christ. so much. We're going to leave with a song called This Is Not America. And I thought, while written originally, during the Reagan era. It kind of um, kind of fits right now. We will see you next week on Really Queen Radio. Thanks for listening guys.
4: bloom
5: the season. to to i
0: Another week and excited to be here for season two of Really Queen Radio. My name is Brian Kent and we are live from San Francisco. and. I have some special guests back with me once again, and we're so glad that you guys Queen. were able to make it back. Oh, Lord, really, Queen,
1: <laughs> right off the bat. She's excited, girl. She's
0: right off the bat, really, Queen. <laughs> How are you guys? This is, uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I haven't even told you, are just right here. I have David Helton, who was with us a few weeks back. Um, he is a producer, he is a DJ, he is a party promoter, he is, girl, you everything. Portable she's her. a drug dealer, oh, she's yeah. a waitress, <laughs> she's an actress, and a model. I she does hair. She does you know, hair. <laughs> and she does it well you should see hers girl it's fierce <laughs> and uh, we have um, Philip Grosso who is also a DJ and a producer spinning the scene and uh, the, the men the men's dance circuit scenes yes ma'am. <laughs> yes <laughs> keeping the boys happy well we're glad that you guys are back you guys have a uh, a good couple of weeks since I've seen you or yeah it's been, it's been so long girl uh, oh, you guys I mean you don't look any older I know <laughs> you do not look you do not look any older well if you are just joining us here on Really Queen Radio welcome again we are live from San Francisco and each week we explore a new musical artist who has helped to influence and form the LGBTQ culture as we know it today the show was born out of a conversation I was having with a friend where I said uh, you know hey do you know who this person is or do you love the song and this is so and so and my friend was like uh, who is this and literally it was at the point, I was just like, really queen? <laughs> <laughs> or actually, what I said was... Really queen? <laughs> <laughs> I had the soundbite with me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just... I, I, I literally carried around just... Just right, in case. <laughs> I just walk up to idiots and go, really queen? Um, but yeah, so we've learned of that. Um, and we are here today talking about an artist, and these guys don't know who that artist is until I announce it. So, a couple of things. One is you can call in during the show if you'd like to speak to us at 415- 550-0511. Um, don't forget, we're on Instagram. At Really Queen Radio, and our website is reallyqueenradio.com. You can find all the information on where to find our podcasts. Um, we are live on Thursday nights from uh, 8 p.m. until 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and then we are um, on our podcast um, platforms all basically everywhere. So um, if you have a podcast uh, uh, platform, we're there. Um, so are you guys ready? Yeah, yes. Yes. yes, ma'am. Are you excited? I'm excited. This. Um, so, keeping in the vein of uh, the first season. We did a lot of um, females. So keeping in the vein this season, I'm trying to focus also on the guys that, and by the way, I want to say this, you know, um, uh, um, it's harder, I think, for a male artist to become a gay icon. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Don't you agree? Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I mean, even, even performer and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a recording artist and my fellow recording artists, such as, you know, everyone from Jason Walker and Ari Gold and Matt Zarley and... You know, just the list goes on and on of these guys, David Hernandez, who are out gay artists. But it's harder for 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 the gay, especially gay men, to look up to us for some reason. It's always it's interesting. You don't have to be a gay artist to be a gay icon. Look at
3: Prince. Look at you know, like we said, David Bowie. Absolutely. So a lot of times, it's easier for the people who are kind of the androgynous in the middle. I think, you know, for gay guys, it's hard. For
0: sure. And, I, and, I know, and I'm certainly not in plan that we should be gay icons, but I think even I find swimming through a sea, a pie Are ye on a raft without a patter?
6: the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. No! <laughs> hey, everybody.
8: Thanks for being tuned in to MutinyRadio.fm. I'm your host of Joke Workshop, Pam Benjamin. Hey, it's a Monday. It's 6 o'clock. It's time to get started. It's Joke Workshop here on MutinyRadio.fm. Yay! Yay! What are we... Yes! What kinds of crazy things do we do here at Joke Workshop? Uh, Comedians do four-minute sets. There's four minutes of critique. The show is as good as the people in the audience because nobody wants to hear my comments the whole time. So I'm back here taking notes. I hope you guys all have a pencil and a paper and you're taking notes too because we're all here to help each other. It's community, help each other with tags, whatever. Hey, if you're up on stage and you do your four minutes and people aren't saying stuff, it's your four minutes of critique. Lead us, tell us, ask us questions. What did which punchline do you need help on? What do you want tags on? What are you doing with your life, etc. etc. We, we really are we really are here to help here at Joke Workshop. Uh, so, with that being said, your first comedian just recently had a killer show. Last week he has a bunch of killer shows because S R G O Productions. I don't know if it's like Sergo or if it's Sergio. Anyways, uh, it's a great production company and they're doing really really great stuff. Uh, Before I even get to that, tell everybody, please, please, please remember to donate $2 to Mutiny Radio. It's how we keep the doors open. We really appreciate your $2. But your first Comedian of the Night, uh, what an amazing producer. It really was a stacked, stacked show. And um, I didn't know that he did drag until that night. And now I understand him so much better. Please put your hands together for your first Comedian of the Night, everybody. Sergio Navoa.
9: <laughs> Brother, <laughs> for the record, Pam, I don't do drag. The fact that it was my birthday and there was a drag show, I thought I surprised everyone. And then while the show was happening, I was transformed in the back, and I just transformed in the back room. And I just, you, I don't know if you saw, but yes, I saw it on the internet. You murdered on the internet. <laughs> okay.
8: okay, I'm gonna start your time now.
9: Oh, uh, all right. <clears throat> Hi, you guys. My name is Sergio. Uh, straight men are gentrifying gay culture. Yeah, some of my gayest friends are straight men. <laughs> they ask me to go to straight bars with them and critique women's outfits. Uh, we only work out to impress the other men at the gym. And I can't go to brunch without running into my straight male friends. But there is one difference between us. Um, I don't manscape. <laughs> men are constantly coming out to me as straight. Um, I thought only gay people had to come out <laughs> what's first there's Queer Eye now they're coming out what's next they'll take over gay bars and I say this because all my straight male friends are always saying yo let's go to a straight bar so I can pick up chicks bro <clears throat> that's like a vegan going to a steakhouse for a salad. <laughs> for a salad <laughs> That's how it starts. Gay bars are the gateway to gay town. (laughs) They go there for Cindy, but they go home with Sergio. (laughs) But straight men have the worst pickup lines. Ladies, you think you have it bad? Try being a gay man getting hit on by a straight man in a gay bar. I always get the, bro, if I were gay, I would totally have sex with you, <clears throat> and I'm like, bro, I am gay, and I would totally not have sex with you. I don't do not do by curious <laughs> To play with me, you gotta be able to take it like a man. <laughs> this one guy would not take no for an answer. He kept coming at me this way, he was coming at me this way. He didn't come on me, he just kept coming at me. Now, I love to travel, and if you've never been to Colombia, cancel whatever it is you're doing tomorrow and go. Colombians are some of the friendliest people. My first night there, I was offered Coke and coffee. I don't drink coffee. (laughs) Yes, I don't drink coffee. (laughs) Oh, shit, I lost where I was. Oh, Also, Colombians don't have cocktails. You basically get a bottle and shot glasses. The hangover is free with purchase. They have this drink called Aguardiente, which basically means bitter water. And the next day I figured out why people, the expression uh, praying to the porcelain gods finally made sense to me. The perk though, the next day my stomach looked amazing. So I do recommend it. Uh, Disneyland is not the happiest place on earth. Puerto Vallarta is. If you've not been to Puerto Vallarta, cancel whatever it is you're doing tomorrow and go. Uh, well it used to be but Americans have ruined it I think Mexico should build a wall um, just to keep us out we're not sending our best yeah. now I went to Tel Aviv to see Madonna in concert in case you haven't figured it out I'm gay um, if you have not been to Tel Aviv counsel whatever it is you're doing tomorrow and go yeah. Now if you have a UAE stamp on your passport, oh, you're looking for the 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 horn thing. If you have, if you have a UAE passport uh stamp on your passport like I did, be ready to be poked, probed and manhandled. Yes. Ladies, it's like writing bar during rush hour. Now if you've never written bar during rush hour, counts whatever it is you're doing tomorrow and get this taken care of. The Al uh, TSA agents are very thorough with their um screening process. I thought I was at my doctor's for my annual checkup. The only thing that was missing was turn to your left and give me two good coughs. Uh, and that's it that's all I have (laughs) as you can see fully memorized
8: that was that was and you finished perfectly at four minutes Sergio that was badass that was four minutes that was exactly four you You did exactly four four minutes
9: two hours
8: Ah, well you did exactly four minutes and that was that was fucking killer Uh,
9: I welcome any and I do have some questions in case
2: you guys don't take me there yeah uh, but, oh, go gotta, ahead, go ahead, Marty, do it. Uh, the, the recurring cancel your plans f- the line was fun. I definitely keep that. Uh, keep that. Keep that in there and overuse it, abuse it. Like, but get, you got to get progressively weirder with it. Like, you did the right thing. Like, you went to Bart and stuff okay. like stay in a country. But go even weirder. Oh, like okay. And maybe wait a little bit and bring it back at some point with something you could like really like ding it up on. Um, okay the the coke and coffee line i think you still need a you need a little bit of a, a layer in between the uh the bit where you said like you know they offered me uh coke and coffee and you said well and then you said you just said i don't drink coffee but it, it, it was something a little padding in between there because it's just kind of abrupt and i don't think people realize what you're not everyone necessarily realizes what you're saying okay um i like the the prayer to the porcelain god it, it could be fun to expand on that and actually write a prayer Oh. La, oh, okay. Uh, like, you know.
8: In Spanish. In Spanish.
2: Oh, there you oh, go. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be yeah actually, like
8: that would Yeah, like, mi virgin de Guadalupe. Like, something very, yeah.
2: Damn, and that was really great Spanish.
8: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> mi virgin de Guadalupe.
2: You said the, the, the bit about seeing Madonna in Tel Aviv. And so if you haven't figured out I'm gay, but you did a whole bit. Your whole first minute and a half was about being gay pretty much oh you know Uh,
9: okay i added i wasn't supposed to say oh okay if you haven't figured out that
2: i would say i would say instead i would say and that's the gayest thing i've said so far you've already talked about men coming on you so uh yeah yeah. going that's all all i got
8: okay thank you that was lovely yeah i i loved your coming out as the start and i felt like you missed a lot of cum jokes like if you're already there like you kept saying the word coming and i was like I was sort of waiting for a big, I was waiting for the big explosion of cum. Uh, I loved your vegan joke about the steakhouse. I thought that was very cute. And um, not selling our best. Give me more spec. That means, I wrote something down that doesn't make any sense. Sorry about that. I, oh, I was laughing very hard at, at all your things. This is all new stuff. I enjoyed it.
9: Cool. I'm cleaning up my act, as you can
2: see. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so in a, in a sense, you're, you're, uh, there was like two uh, acts. Yes. That, right? If you told them in reverse order and talked, started with the Tel Aviv and Madonna and cancel your plans, then at the end, when you start talking about going to brunch and saying, if you've never gone to brunch, cancel your plans. I'm at a gay bars. So if you're ever going to a gay bar, cancel your plans tomorrow, and then you can crowbar that, that like you said, abuse it, like put it in there like, three more times
9: oh so reverse the order start with the travel and then
2: yeah. c- c- that's when you okay. can break in, in case you haven't noticed I'm gay and then you can after the travel stopped, Yeah, you'll
9: get
8: a you'll laugh on the thing. reveal of you being gay even though mm-hmm. you know like yeah
2: <laughs> okay you'll cool. stick it in the back side of your set if you can
9: always <laughs> yeah. was- easiest way to get there
4: Sergio was- nice job man
9: um, I thought you touched on an insight that I wanted you to dive into more, which was the fact that like a lot of
3: straight dudes, they like to imagine that if they were gay, they would get constant dick and ass. Yeah. Right?
9: So I It's just, totally uh, true, by the way.
8: Like a to- yeah, totally true.
3: <laughs> no, so I thought, and that's so false, you know, because I think there's a difference between the quotes, if I were gay, all dudes would want to fuck me, and if I were gay, only the gay guys who would want to fuck me would fuck me. It's a much different number. Oh, gotcha. I think there's something interesting there. I didn't write it the right way, but just goes okay. to.
9: Things. The thing that I had originally is I said straight men think that just because they're men that all gay boys want to fuck them. I'm like not me. I don't want you to learn how to suck dick on my dick. Uh, that's taking it? it a little bit too far. Yeah, no. Nope, because I was like I don't want tra- you to learn to suck dick, not dick not on a, me. No it's yeah, not a training yeah, wheel. By the time it's you not get a to, training wheel. What, and that's where that line, line came in where I say by the time you get to me you got to take it like a man. Right. Nice. But I like that's that. Good. Okay. Work that cool. Out. Anything else at all?
2: Oh, I just want to say how jealous I am, because in two hours, you produced a high volume of punchlines to a very degree, and, and that's, a, that's, oh. that's a nice skill set.
9: Oh, thank you. I mean, you should see all the shit that didn't get on. <laughs> 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 you should see all those pages. Oh, uh, one, thing, one thing that I
4: didn't
5: get, I got to Sign a the microphone,
8: friend. Oh,
9: sorry. Here. Wait. I don't think the cord is that long. There you go. Uh, I, th- I think I get the porcelain, like, pray to the porcelain gods, but then I didn't understand, like, the whole, like, it made your stomach look great part. All that throwing up. The next day, I had, like, a perfect oh, six-pack. Okay. But, yeah, okay.
8: He's clearly doesn't have, has never had an eating disorder. That's cool. <laughs>
9: <laughs> well, ne- <laughs> neither have girls, I, for the record.
8: <laughs> all the girls got that joke, but that's good. Okay, good.
2: Yes, we did, honey. <laughs> uh, so. now. Oh, Oh, I really uh, thoroughly enjoyed the take it like a man as a topper Mm -hmm. right there. I don't know if you're a bottom or a top, but that's a good topper like to put the bottom. Uh, (laughs) But I was a little bi curious about why you were not into the bi curious guys. You explained it, but I think that you give like a really good three part Lister joke in there leading up to, you know, when you get to me, you have to be able to take it like a man.
9: Oh, so, I mean, and with that, right and maybe for
2: some other stuff in between,
9: build a little thing in there. Maybe I could do the whole thing. I don't want you to learn a dick on mine.
8: Yeah. And no, maybe the
2: training wheel, dick, something
8: a training training like that. Training
9: wheel, yeah. dick. Okay. This is
8: not a training wheel, dick. This
2: is a
9: BJ. Not the I won't BMP be your guinea you pig, training, dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
8: Clap wildly, everybody. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Ball. you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sir everybody look up on instagram uh, Srgo Productions. he does multiple shows every week he has really great shows you so should check him out you should listen to my limited view here on tuesdays from noon to two on mutiny radio your next comedian what a joy he is uh he runs f bomb comedy train which is coming up on april 26th get your tickets now it is so much fucking fun it's a train and you get on and you drink and then there's comedians and he's he's a great comedian in his own right he's going to be hosting during the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Put your hands together for Marty Jane
2: Oh, what do we got, guys? Uh, I'm not very good with dating apps. I uh, I find that women on there are very dishonest. You know, they never really say what they really want. Like, what does every girl say, right? They say they like books, but you show up with your copy of Dianetics, and they get freaked out. They're like, is, is this another audit? How did you catch me this time? Uh They say they like wine, you show up with your bag of Franzia, they look at you like you're some kind of asshole, you know? know How long it takes to chill a bag of wine? 45 minutes. I've tried several times. It's uh, it's an important skill to have. Uh, They say, you know, every girl says they like adventure, but you show up in your wizard's robe, and they look at you like you're some kind of weirdo, like, come on, I thought we were going to go kill some orcs. Like, this is a match made in heaven. They say they want chemistry, and they get freaked out when you take them to your meth lab, you know? It's... (laughs) It's uh, just say what you really want, okay? Be specific, because honestly, I could take that all very differently. Um, San Francisco is a very King positive city, which I think is great, because uh, I consider myself a King positive person as well. Like it's crazy. Like I was. Uh, down at like Bart the other day I saw an ad for like a kink party I was like damn this is a crazy public place To have like an ad for this But that's still San Francisco right And I was kind of drunk And in my drunkenness I was just like pointed I was like hell yeah And this woman next to me Just kind of looked over me Like shaking her head Like what is wrong with you I was like listen lady This is San Francisco You got to get with the times And then I looked at the ad again And it was not an ad for a kink party It was an ad for a nonprofit uh, Supporting the victims of human trafficking uh, And <laughs> And all I saw was two wrists bound together and just immediately assumed from there. And I had kind of a freak out moment. At first I was like, no, lady, it's." Uh, I, I thought it was for fucking. And she didn't think that was any better. Uh, that was really misleading. The uh, the The ad was really misleading. It was just like two wrists bound together. That could go either way, you know. Like, I can't tell if those are, like, sexy knots or if, like, there's DNA under those fingernails, you know? Like, I don't know which way that ad's going. Yeah, I don't know. I had a recent stint with unemployment, which was cool. I tried to keep my mind fresh, read a lot of articles. I read an article, uh, apparently Boston University did a study, and they found that men who ejaculate uh, once or twice or four times a week uh, reduce their risk of prostate cancer by about 30%, which is great. Um... So after this recent stint with unemployment, I'm proud to announce that I've come about this close to curing prostate cancer. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I'm putting in the long, hard, messy research hours so you guys don't have to. Uh, I do think I probably masturbate too much. Like, And the way that you can tell, I think, when you masturbate, I think the way that you can tell I masturbate too much is the time it takes to go from ejaculating to just going back onto like social media, uh, like whatever that amount of time is like, that's there's, there's like some measure there that like approaches zero, like a fucking, a a parabola curve or whatever. It's almost like, like listening to like figure out how far away like lightning is like, like, like timing the, between the thunder and the lightning, like the shorter that gap gets, the more you are, uh, an actual degenerate. Um, Speaking of kinks, um, you know it's it's it feels like I'm almost obligated as a comedian to talk about ass eating at this point. It's just like everybody talks about it now. It's such like a, it's like a, such a zeitgeist uh, of ass eating. I don't understand. It's everywhere, and it, I don't. Again, I don't have a problem with spit shining the old wagon wheel. That's not the issue. The other thing is it's it's a twofold issue. Is one uh, every time I talk to somebody. And they mention ass-eating, and they're, like, super into it. And then if I go to their house, first thing I look for, a bidet. Guess what? No one ever fucking has one, okay? That is disgusting. Don't talk to me about ass-eating if you don't have the proper equipment, okay? Don't ask me to eat it off the floor if you don't own a mop, huh? How about that? Let's let's think about that. Number two, uh, I don't think it's not a new thing it's just now that's the thing that everybody talks about like ass eating you should have always been eating ass that's not a new thing but now it's like I don't want to sound like some kind of analingus hipster like oh we always used to do it you know uh, <laughs> a ton punch of the old fart box that's what my dad used to call it you know tossing the salad that's what, the, that's what they did when they came home